My Family Thinks I'm Crazy, a podcast where I, your host, try to give you some tips on how you can explain all this weird, wild, crazy conspiracy stuff to the people you love most, because that's what I've been trying to do for the past 10 years with no success. I've been telling everybody that our government is shady, but every time I do, my family thinks I'm crazy. Again, with your, Mark being Mark again. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's the thing about podcasts is when you're on the air, and it's like therapy, you know. If I can't talk to my family about this stuff, I'll talk to you, Matt, and all our listeners. You know, tell your whole podcast. Yeah. So, who are we talking about today, Matt? grand dining room of a five-star hotel every so often a group of the wealthiest most influential and elite gather to discuss their thoughts perspectives and suggestions for the course of our future this shadow aristocracy pulls strings in many strategic places as these bilderbergs attempt to build back better all while not divulging the contents of their meetings begging the question why the secrecy our guest today is jason burmis the info war who has a long track record of sifting through real evidence, lies, and secret truths to expose the shadow elite and their plots. Here to discuss MKUltra, Bohemian Grove, the Bilderbergs, and their technocratic transhumanist plot with me, Mystic Mark. Thank you for tuning in to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast and enjoy this episode with Jason Burmes. face an emergency situation and we have not yet really the sense of urgency to address those issues. Um, we see it now with the fires in Australia um, and of course it's relatively difficult to get such a sense of urgency if the stock markets are doing so well as we see now. the first time since 2019 they met they talked about the post-truth world all right the participants list include the heads of the cia goldman sachs the head of nato the security council multiple people in what ai the atlantic and apple mom twilight of democracy author i mean just lovely people really Lovely people. Peter Thiel, the head of Palantir, Alex Karp. You got people like Eric Schmidt here as well. Kings, prime ministers, ministers of finance. Yeah, the, the best people, really. And they're discussing great topics like, I don't know, continuity of government, which is a code word for shadow government and the economy, disruption of the global financial system, disinformation, energy security and sustainability, post-pandemic health, Fragmentation of democratic societies, trade and deglobalization, among many other things. I mean, this is obviously a policy meeting. 
it is a violation. It's an actual violation of what is known as the Logan Act. That's what was crushing about what they did to Michael Flynn, in my opinion. You know, Michael Flynn didn't do any anything even remotely in association with the Logan Act, which is meeting with foreign officials to the detriment in secret of your nation. That happens every year at Bilderberg. Every year, for real, and nothing's done. I'm a documentary filmmaker. I'm a talking head. I'm a content creator. I'm still over on YouTube, but as you can see behind me, Rumble, Podbean, and of course, Rockfin. I went to the Podbean. When I do stream live there, you're able to actually call in live via the Podbean app, which is cool. And it's a place where people can get the audio format of my broadcast. Because I decided to go premium on top of all that, they also allow me to put up video casts too. So, you know, it's one of those mainstream apps that you can just throw on your phone. You have the RSS feed, it's there. A great way to keep up with my work. And you can share all my documentary films as well. They're all free. A loose Change Final Cut, Fabled Enemies, Invisible Empire, A New World Order Defined, and Shade the Motion Picture. And that's one great way to support me. I don't need your money, I need your minds. And I need you to check out my information and then share it with others. Rock on. Yeah. And that is something I got to hand it over to you for, man. I mean, give you a, a lot of credit. It's obvious that you have been in on the ground floor, so to speak, at the ground zero, if we would call it that. You have an intuition for this. You have an insight that very few have these days because you've been an activism for an activist for truth for so long. So it's truly an honor to have you back. I know you've been railing against a lot of what we've seen in the past year or two, but let's start it off with what pisses you off the most, because, you know, a lot of people, they like to go to Spotify and listen to some workout track. Me, I like to turn on your podcast when I'm in the gym, when I'm working out, because it fires me up. So let's just hit the ground running with there. What's been really pissing you off lately, Jason? I, man, that's so hard because a lot of this stuff obviously angers me, right? It angers me that we've moved so far away from a constitutional republic. It angers me. The censorship is so out of control and I constantly still hear Chinese style censorship. I'm like, it's not Chinese style censorship. We're here. It's just censorship. Um, one of the, one of my biggest, I guess, things in retrospect that constantly angers me because obviously the COVID-1984 nightmare we've all been through two plus years, the continuing lack of knowledge by the general populace and allowing to go along, the fact that we have a puppet president who can't even speak and is literally shitting himself on public occasions and being directed by the Easter Bunny who they're telling us he's the most popular guy when the election was going, he couldn't get 200 people in a parking lot. And the other guy, whether you like him or not, had thousands of people, sometimes tens of thousands of people showing up at his events. Okay. Those, those things all obviously bother me on a day-to-day -day basis. However, recently what's really upset me is I, I take it back to nine 11 and the effort, a lot of us, put forth to try to bring the truth out about that because of accountability and trying to salvage what we had left of our constitutional Republic, get rid of things like Homeland security, have actual accountability within the real deep state continuity of government, shadow government program, and hold those accountable within our own government. And then across the world that actually carried out that attack. 
And, and I really felt like, you know, in retrospect, we failed on so many levels. So many people that were kind of half awake or realized that we were lied to took such an apathetic path that later on they would even like recant and say, oh, that that stuff was all debunked. Right. And if you think about it right now, while we're going through this new nightmare of any kind of information that goes against the establishment or status quo, it's well beyond medical misinformation right now. For instance, I posted a tweet because it was just so beyond ridiculous. I was almost like, I can't believe this is a real thing, but it is a real thing. It's the fact checks that you now get. So, you know, Twitter is one of these platforms and they have the fact checks on the side. Well, the fact checks are the bastard children of the debunks, right? And that was the big thing everybody used to say about 9-11 to me. Oh, this has been debunked. The experts have debunked this, right? They weren't fact checkers. It wasn't in real time. It wasn't on just like the four platforms because there weren't four platforms on the internet you were on. There was a lot of diversity, real diversity on the internet. And now we've gotten to the level where the fact checks say things like gender affirming guidance for prepubescent children is non-invasive and includes professional support experts say. And I'll say this once again, had we been adults and not dismissed what obviously happened on 9-11, and the problem is that because so many people that are now now think they're awake, and I hate the term, you, you, I hate the term truther, I'm not a truther, I've seeked the truth the whole time, I think that's a ridiculous term, okay, they tried to equate that with conspiracy theorists, where, again, if I'm speculating, I let you know. But conspiracies happen all the time. They get prosecuted all the time, too. You know what I mean? And I hate the term red pill. Okay. Red, listen, I'm not in the matrix, bro. <laughs> and you shouldn't be either. And red and blue are, are, again, that left, right, conservative, liberal paradigm that they want you to be in. Mm. So when people say that, oh, you red pill somebody, you broke them out of the matrix, easy guy. You know, I just gave a presentation in Myrtle Beach at the Reawaken America tour, and it's, it's highly conservative. Right. And a lot of these people really don't understand 9-11 and why it's important. And these are the same people that, you know, a lot of them got duped by the Q nonsense and were spouting talking points that really hurt us, like put them in Gitmo. No, no, no. Close Guantanamo Bay. <laughs> Again, we failed. That was an actual issue that even out of the 9-11 movement, people realized we needed to do. And in 2007, when everybody was running in 2008, Everybody had a plan to get out of Iraq and everybody had a plan to close Gitmo. Did it happen? So, so again, well, you fired me up, as you can see. The thing that really, really pisses me off is that we did have that window. We had it. And there were many people in the streets about it. And we allowed them to browbeat us with a false hope and a false savior. And they hijacked varying levels of what was actually going on in the truth movement. Let me give you an example. Not truther, the truth movement. One, Luke Radowski and We Are Change. It was very revolutionary. People were getting confronted on video and the We Are Change videos were making traction. People were seeing that. They realized power was actually starting to have to become accountable. Two, a lot of people liked Ron Paul because he was literally one of the very few people in government talking about this globalist agenda and talking about realities, okay, of what the military industrial complex was and where we were at. So we are change and Ron Paul, okay, both of those things kind of get co-opted into this Barack Obama character. What do I mean? Well, number one, 
what was his message? Hope and change. Okay. So they jacked the change term. And then Ron Paul, they associated with this new Tea Party movement, but the Tea Party movement itself was actually out of 9-11 truth. The first Tea Party events, I was actually at one of them in San Francisco, were, for instance, you can look it up. They, they actually end up quoting in an article where we threw a giant 9-11 commission report with holes in it into the San Francisco Bay. Okay, so they hijacked what was the real, you know, Tea Party slash Patriot movement that was associated with 9-11, and they made it more conservative, right? And, and even people like Sean Hannity back in the day were calling Ron Paul a paltard, right? They might have Rand on all the time, but there was that paltarding, and people were still angry and upset, but they thought this Barack star was going to come in and save them, and the Occupy movement which in large part was co-opted as well. A lot of well-meaning people, right? But very co-opted. And all of it began to exclude 9-11 as an issue, okay? So if you want to know what fires me up, it's thinking about that in retrospect and having a kind of clear sense of, you know, that's one of the directions that they pulled us. They successfully did that. No one was held accountable <laughs> at all. The Cass Sunsteins of the world that said they had to infiltrate these uh, conspiracy movements and exploit them, conspiracy movements, they did it. <laughs> they absolutely did it. And, you know, the, the military industrial complex, the Department of Defense, on some level has always been able to lie to the people. Obviously, that's a legal thing. You go to Mockingbird, MK Ultra, the Department of Energy. I know a lot of people love to talk like Tuskegee because that's the cool one. We got plenty more, folks. Plenty more. But now it's gone to a new level. For, for instance, the one significant thing that I think that Snowden revealed, because I think that, you know, a lot of what eventually got revealed in mass, number one, should have already been known by the public just from things like Hepting versus AT&T and Norris Insight Systems and Promise and Carnivore and all these things via software and programs that was also already running by the National Security Agency, right? So I, I actually put that in my 2010 film that we were already being spied on everything. Let me repeat that, everything we were doing through analog or digital communications that had to go through di digital communications was being run through these softwares, right? The biggest thing that Edward Snowden revealed was now they were falsifying documents they were releasing to the public through FOIAs or otherwise as a matter of public record that were totally different from the classified documents. So in other words, in the past, what you just get is a big blacked out sheet of paper. Right. But now they had a license to release something that was totally different. <laughs> and, you know, that that's a big deal, you know, and I'm not saying that that hadn't been done before, but that's the first time ever that it was revealed on a high level that that was going on. That's that's a big deal. Yeah. And it, it is stunning how they have framed the narrative so many times. I mean, you brought up so much there and i'm glad i got you fired up and on that diatribe because it makes my job a little easier but there is something i want to pick out that within what you just said which is how they've framed the narrative over and over again with terms like conspiracy theorists then truther and now this disgusting metaphor red pill blue pill me i've always been adverse to that because 
I loathe the pharmaceutical industry. I've never relied on pills ever. So to me, like telling someone say, oh, you red pilled me, bro. It's like, bro, I have nothing to do with pills. <laughs> Keep that out of my reputation, you know? And yeah, I think more people need to wake up to the fact that this is a truth movement. There is energy in motion here. And that energy is the collective human spirit that cannot be enslaved. It cannot be with strain or in, you know, entangled the way they want us to fear. You know, I think that the stuff you touch on, you know, why I think you're a lot different than someone like Alex Jones or, or anyone else that becomes a talking head in this way is because I don't ever feel doomed when I listen to you, Jason. And I appreciate you for that because there is, there is a chance. And I know you said the window has closed on nine 11, but it seems like they just keep having new events and there are many windows now, uh, whether that's good or bad, but what are some other events, you know, nine 11, you've covered that in multiple documentaries, but what are some other events that you think are really important that we should highlight you know people talk about ruby ridge and these ones that have been miss you know characterized and forgotten things that happened before 9 11 that started to chip away at our civil liberties now we see the gun conversation being framed within that same narrative people who have no knowledge about gun safety who are telling us you know what's right or wrong with guns you know any examples that stick out there are, but I want to touch on something you just said about Please doom do. and gloom, right? Please do. You, you know, you talked about doom and gloom, and here's the deal. Reality is reality. A lot of the things I talk about are extremely dark and frustrating to people that are stuck in this mainstream narrative mindset or the mindset that even if it's true, I can't do anything, this helpless mindset, right? And the truth of the matter is our species has been around a long time. All right. And, and I don't know how long, I don't know what kind of mainline science or alternative science or history you want to believe in, but we've been around a while. Okay. And even through the darkest times of recorded history that we know, some people have been able to navigate the situation, even in close proximity to it. Right. But, you know, these totalitarian regimes still have people in them. <laughs> and obviously there are varying levels of oppression. But the idea here is right now that you are still a, a entity of free will. And that is what the most important thing is. For me, the battle has really become staying human and trying to buck the system in every way I can to raise a human family and not allow all this divisiveness and hatred to entrap us and really eventually enslave us into what is now becoming a, a very real and prominent transhumanist agenda, right? So, you know, you talked about events. Let me circle back that, to that in a minute. I think there's a lot of events that need to be re-examined, especially ones that hold a large cultural significance in regards to our government, our politicians, our agencies. Obviously, I've been talking about NASA a lot lately in my videos. But when we can talk about one event that I would tell people to go take a very, very hard look at, I would say Jonestown, because that event is not what most people see. So another, another pet peeve, right? You hear red pill, you hear blue pill, you hear Kool-Aid a lot. 
right? Oh, don't drink the Kool-Aid. It's almost like lemmings. Don't, don't be a lemming. These, these are two things, again, that kind of upset me because it's almost like you're in the grasp and the paradigm that they want you to be in when you're going, when you're talking about these things. For those that don't know, and anybody can look this up, the lemmings argument. So a lot of people think, well, lemmings are so dumb that they run off cliffs and that's why you don't want to be a lemming. Fun fact, and I can look this up. Disney used to have this series about wildlife. Again, there wasn't that much network television, three networks. Disney had a lot of prime time. They would go and do these conservatory documentaries. So the myth that lemmings run off of cliffs actually comes from Disney positioning a camera at the edge of a cliff underneath, right? So in other words, there's a place where he could stand and, and film here. And then them pushing the lemmings off the cliff. That is that. So when you hear about that, I hate Leave that it to Disney, <laughs> right? They, they love you so much and they have for so long. So that's one, right? Right. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. And then the Kool-Aid and Jonestown. So, a lot of people are under the mythos that the vast majority of those at Jonestown were just surrendered themselves and just drank this Kool-Aid. Number one, it wasn't a Kool-Aid concoction. I want to say that right now. It was like a knockoff brand. They had run drills where they made people drink these things before and certain members would and certain members wouldn't. And that was to test their loyalty. But what most people don't know is that that was a mind control factory. They had a vast amount of mind control drugs, including Thorazine, where anybody who was being a dissident, they would drug up big time, big time. Remember, this is post supposedly MK Ultra and those programs. And, you know, the MK Ultra programs were not just involved with the CIA, but they were involved with the Rockefeller Institution, universities and big pharma. All right. Not to mention they ran brothels on the East and West coast where they would not only blackmail people, but they would drug them and they would tape them. And anybody can look into the brothel program. These are all things that are important because at the end of the day, the vast majority of people over in Jonestown did not drink the Kool-Aid. They ran and they got shot. <laughs> the vast majority of people were, let me repeat this shot to death at Jonestown. Some of them ran into the woods and were missing for days. And you can watch the initial coverage if you, if you can go and get the ar archives of the first couple days of that event. A politician was actually coming in. I believe he was a senator who shot to death. That sparked the whole event. Yeah, again, these are things most people don't know, but they were getting a lot of these people from California and the West Coast and their families, those of uh, which they had them, were getting really concerned. And finally, they lobbied at least one politician to go. He was killed. So when you start talking about, oh, don't drink the Kool-Aid, this and that, that's all based on Johnny nonsense. Most people didn't drink any Kool-Aid. And that in itself was a mind control experiment. I've got a video, of course, on this over at the, uh, the channels. I think you can see it over on both Rockfin and YouTube and Odyssey, by the way. Odyssey backed up my YouTube channel is great because, you know, they've taken my YouTube channel from me for like four times. And that's not even just the suspension strikes. Wow. So, and to frame it that way, don't drink the Kool-Aid is almost, I mean, and not that groupthink is necessarily good or bad, but it, in my opinion, stops people from participating in a beneficial movement just as much as it would stop them from participating in a cult. Because 
you see normie people use these phrases to discourage people from, you know, thinking outside of the box over and over again. Right. I, I think that, again, it kind of it distorts it all. Right. It, it permeates the culture. And you're right. It doesn't allow for more outward thinking. Right. <laughs> it, it doesn't allow people to challenge the narrative. It gets to those almost Bernaysian talking points like alone together or safe and effective. Right. Right. Now, you see them using what I've heard you call civilian Trojan horse technologies, companies, you know, insert whatever suffix applies. This is a strategy that they've used to normalize our own slavery through this technocratic agenda. And maybe I'm changing topics. I feel like you had, you were pulling something up, maybe not. But this is, uh, this is something that the public needs to be aware of because just like Jonestown was a sort of Trojan horse in a way to decentivize people from being sovereign, starting their own small communities, right? That was used as propaganda. Oh, you're going to join some Kool-Aid drinking cult. They're using Twitter and all of these neighborhood apps now to normalize surveillance, you know, normalize keeping a record of every single thing you think, say, do. It's all becoming normalized and under the guise of keeping us all safe, right? I mean, this is... is how this works. Well, absolutely. I mean, Facebook just launched a safety board of over 40,000 people. I did a video on it. They've partnered with the World Economic Forum in the metaverse. In fact, I'll be doing a video probably uh, this week, maybe even tonight, because I've already watched one of the sessions on the metaverse and the World Economic Forum, where they actually talk about the surveillance aspect and how much deeper it's going to become. But when you talk about Trojan horse civilian systems, that is directly stated in this future strategic issues, future warfare document circa 2025 from July of 2001. So this is a pre 9-11 document that is actually extremely, extremely accurate at, so to what has happened over the last 20 plus years. So when we talk about the Trojan horse civilian systems, they're at the bottom. They talk about continental United States attack capabilities, and they say that these are inexpensive systems. In there, you can also see information, internet, and psychological warfares. They also talk about binary biologics into our food supply. You also see obviously UAVs, AKA drone warfare, all these things. All right, but when we talk about Trojan horse civilian systems, it's SpaceX, it's Elon Musk, okay? It's Neuralink, right? Oh, now we have custom brain implants for people that are now making their way into the consumer world. This is DARPA technology. You think that SpaceX is going to the moon and Mars? No, it's moving military cargo, including blackjack satellites on their ride-along program. Elon Musk made more money than any of the other billionaires during COVID-1984. All right, that's not a mistake. NASA has partnered with Google, another Trojan horse civilian system, and achieved quantum supremacy. NASA itself, you know, is, again, a part of the military-industrial complex. Its front is, we're going to the moon and Mars. What it's really doing is it's militarized space since the 80s. 
Okay, that's what it's really doing. And it's also cultivating all the technologies that DARPA has integrated with it. Okay, that they're, I mean, people have to understand they're not messing around. This is the real deal. Just the Starlink satellites alone that Elon Musk has launched in the Ukraine link up with Sidewinder and ghost drones that we provide in most cases that hit tanks. Now, think of the next level satellite systems that are out there. Neuralink, the brain chip technology, has been used by DARPA for decades. In fact, I have the head of NASA, the chief engineer that wrote that document right there, in 2018, talking about how many people have already taken brain chips. What's your over under, my friend? Wow. Yeah. And how many people after what we saw with this blind consent with the masks, how many people would you bet would would take a brain chip if someone told them that it would stop them from getting sick? I mean, this is the the level of irrationality that we're reaching on a, a public consensus based level. Well, I think that it's telling because most people, again, that think that they're awake and use like the red pill terminology. They always talk about Chinese super soldiers. <laughs> it's the Chinese super. So we got to watch about those Chinese super soldiers. Well, again, this man, Bushnell, who wrote that document, we're going to play the clip just so people understand that this you is the real deal. He's telling people that we're going to merge with machines. We're going to upload our consciousness. That's later on. But in 2018, we already had folks 200,000 people with these type of brain chips. Let's play the clip. Humans are now becoming cyborgs. We have cochlear implants to hear, artificial retinas to see, artificial hearts to live, artificial limbs to move, artificial organs to functions, and brain chips. There's a couple hundred thousand people wandering around with brain chips now. Defects can generate defective brains, and increasingly to fix memory and other things. DARPA's working on brain shifts for super soldiers. And people are now working thanks to Musk and other people funding direct machine brain communications. The, the, it's not us versus them, us versus the machines. We're merging. And this is the human evolution of the humans. There is no more natural evolution of anything. People are convinced that the human evolution of everything is 10 million times faster than any natural evolution. And so this is just part of the human evolution of the humans. So as you can see, he's basically saying natural evolution is over. We're taking charge. We've already put brain chips in 200,000 people. Now that we have Musk, we can sell it to people as the cool thing to do, right? You sit in the robot kiosk, all of a sudden you can hear Taylor Swift in your head. Awesome. And you get people culturally to submit to this transhumanist agenda. It's right in our face. I mean, this guy, he works for the national security apparatus. The second half of the clip, I actually have him talking about the type of satellites and space warfare that I just discussed. This isn't science fiction. This is happening now. That clip is now four plus years old. People need to grow up. Hmm. Now, I got to ask you a personal question, Jason. Uh, you know, are you a spiritual guy? Like, do you, do you, how do you reconcile this stuff? Because, you know, I tend to think that the reason why they're telling us lies, like we humans are bad for the earth. We humans are destroying our environment. 
it's not just a power grab. Yeah, of course, that's definitely what it's about. But there's a, a more insidious side of it. You know, I've heard some people call him Ilanunaki, right? And there's this sort of, you know, conspiracy trope, if you will, that the elite do not share our human blood. They don't have the same souls as us. And yeah, this can maybe seem far-fetched, but when you see the level of depravity and, and the level of really evil, there's no other way to describe it, that they want to impose on us through these authoritar- authoritar- authoritarian, authoritarian, thank you, Jason, I'm trying to get all these big words out, I'm getting a little jumbled, but when it comes to, you know, what you see going on, do you think that getting wrapped up in the spiritual perspective is, is counter-effective? Or do you think that there is truth there that, you know, ultimately shows us that, you know, evil can't defeat good? I mean, that's that seems to me like it's too good to be true sometimes. I don't want to be the guy who's so optimistic that I don't see the fire that's burning my house down because I'm looking at how beautiful the sunset is, you know. So there's a lot there, right? First of all, I when I talk about the military industrial complex, we, I, we actually have to go back to where that was coined, right? And the Eisenhower speech. And after he tells you that it's a very real possibility that a scientific elite could take hold of this system, the military industrial complex, and what a battle it's going to be for humanity, and that it even has a spiritual aspect to it, pay attention. Okay, that's a big, big deal because I think even then, when he was on the inside of the what really was the model now, the post-Manhattan Project. They were so successful with the Manhattan Project. And then post-World War II, when they saw what the Nazis were doing, they incorporated that via Operation Paperclip. They started a lot of these organizations, aka NASA, ARPA, which becomes DARPA, and these black sites, things like Born Classified, right? And I think that he saw that at the end of the day, this was a transhumanist agenda because they weren't just working on energy and propulsion systems. They were doing genetic engineering even then. Okay, so let's let's make sure that we understand that. The Department of Energy wasn't just doing radiological experiments. They were doing biological experiments. And, you know, when you When you listen to Annie Jacobson or you read her, her initial book on Area 51, she proposes the theory that Stalin was able to make a flying disc via the Horton brothers, which I think are just as important as the Wright brothers when it comes to aviation, yet most people don't understand who they are. And that what they did is they took a drone aircraft, they then dumped the saucer craft uh, in Mexico, And they had genetically modified humans inside to look like aliens. So then her her big question to the gentleman that divulged this information, her source, right, is, well, then why didn't we just say that? And he looked at her, apparently, and said, because we were doing it, too. All right. So I think that he realized that the spiritual aspect was at the end of the day, they're going to change our species. You know, forget about, you know, you got to remember the mind control stuff is going on. Artichoke, Bluebird, the precursors to MK Ultra, that stuff's happening. He's seeing that. And at the same time, you have to understand that the nuclear age comes out of the Bohemian Grove. So the Bohemian Grove 
is this club for those that don't know, they're going to be meeting in about a month out in California meets for two weeks. They have a mascot. It is a large owl God, a deity before that. It was actually a large Buddha, but a guy named George Bromley actually brought that in. And a lot of the occult practices, by the way, after traveling and studying Eastern mysticism, going out to China. In fact, I have, it's the long ago and the later on, I believe. And the cover of the book is actually a boat shaped like an owl. <laughs> and if you, I have a lot of the Bohemian Grove annals, they're personal annals. And the boat with the owl is actually in one of the much older ones. So I, I think he also saw, wow, there is kind of like this weird occult aspect to a lot of these people because he was meeting with them in, in the Bohemian Grove. And Oppenheimer was brought to the club in San Francisco and talks at the Grove are what brought in the atomic program. So I think he saw right away that there was kind of this spiritual aspect. And to me, I point to what I can prove, right? I don't go into the new agey stuff. I don't go into lizard people, as you know, uh, but when there's a, a, an occult practice, I try to break it down as academically as possible, right? This is what's happening. I don't know whether it's real or not, but there's this weird flavor to it. That's why in Invisible Empire, A New World Order to Find, towards the end of the film, I bring up things like Skull and Bones. You know, a lot of people, for instance, have made the clip of the CERN ceremony go viral, which is very bizarre, but you see all these people in robes and cloaks and doing a occultic ceremony for the Large Hadron Collider, where they're doing these scientific, trust the science, experiments that are highly classified and globally integrated, right? And I, I showed Skull and Bones from Yale, where a lot of these good old boys and at least the Western power structure come from, John Kerry. I was there. I was there just two hours ago. I live 10 minutes away. I went and got coffee downtown New Haven. <laughs> so for those that don't know, the tomb, if you will, is the place where skull and bones have all sorts of mythic things inside. In fact, Geronimo's skull was a mythos to be inside. And then Geronimo's family actually sued skull and bones. So it's just one of those crazy things. They had taken it kind of as a trophy, apparently. Someone, I forget who it was, they got on the roof of the tomb or one of the associated buildings around and actually taped many, many years ago the occult ritual, which they do. And, you know, fraternities do weird things for sure. But this one was them doing a mock human sacrifice with this woman who was like tied up as their sacrifice, chanting the devil equals death and death equals the devil. I don't know, you know, how cartoon level that is to some people. I, I know that they didn't kill anybody. I still think it's kind of weird. I'm in a fraternity that, you know, we never did any human sacrifices to get in. There, there was certainly some hazing, but nothing of that. So, you know, even The Good Shepherd, for instance, which is a fictionalized Hollywood version of how the CIA begins, starts in Deer Island. A lot of these guys are Skull and Bones Yale members, a lot of cross-dressing, right? That went on because it's all male members within these organizations, whether it be Skull and Bones, they like to put on plays. They're very show-toony, also at Bohemian Grove, and mm. they tap Matt Damon, right? And when they bring Matt Damon in and he's in these rituals, they have the mythic ritual of basically someone confessing all of their sexual history in a coffin, supposedly masturbating while they're doing it. 
And then people dressed up in skulls and out on the, basically there's different levels like peeing on these guys too, from the tops of the banisters. So that's all in the good shepherd. Definitely a movie to go check out. If you are not aware of this stuff, because it really does seep into the storyline. Thank you. Wow. Yeah, definitely. Well worth getting into skull and bones. And we kind of took a, a left turn down that Avenue, but I'm glad we did. I, I don't think you knew I lived so close to skull and bones, but my whole foray in this podcast, you know, it's more about you today than it is about me. So I'll keep this brief, but my foray into conspiracies was solely because of skull and bones and running into some strange characters who were actually one of them taught me the whole Geronimo story because he moved from Arizona to pray for Geronimo's skull. You know, he's a, a relative lineage to Geronimo and you know it's a spiritual mission that he's on but that's a story for a different day I've also been a part of a fraternity and because the fraternity was in New Haven we had some hijinks because the skull and bones fraternity they have this thing called crooking and okay. I think it comes from grave robbing like pre you know cadavers being sort of normalized they had to grave rob for cadavers and yale's a, a medical school it's been a medical school for a while so they have this practice of crooking now it's license plates and other things that they go around and steal but our fraternity sort of got in trouble not while i was a member for stealing one of their flags so that's a, that's a legend that we kind of hold close to the chest but i'll share it with you here jason well, I think, thank you, sir. Yeah, I, I think the occult angle can be a little bit nauseating sometimes because people do take it very far. Like you say, reptilian people, you know, we don't need to venture down that road. But when it comes to this occult angle, there are so many coincidences often that it just it just shocks you. But at the same flip of the coin, for example... You're someone who knows the 9-11 case front and back. There's a book by S.K. Bain, right, that talks about all of the occult aspects of 9-11. I would say none of that really matters, essentially, unless someone isn't awoken, right? If someone's not woken up, if someone doesn't see it, maybe this will help them see it. But for the most part, examining the occult aspects of these crimes isn't nearly as important as seeking justice for what has happened. Would you agree with that? Or do you think there's a certain energetic effect that happens when we de-occult these events, these crimes, these massive, you know, manipulated plans that they have for us? Well, let, let's start with what occult actually means. It just means hidden knowledge, right? Let's, let's, let's start there. And, you know, obviously the practices come out of things like alchemy and ancient religions and texts, but really the term is almost innocuous. It's almost like technology, right? Occult just means hidden knowledge. Technology can be used for good or evil, etc. Now, as far as the aspects in crime, like high level crime, I think it's fine to talk about those things, but at the same time, I, I stick to what I can prove, right? I'm not going to sway anybody one way or another to show how 
this is an international intelligence operation. If I whip out a $20 bill and fold it a certain way and I go here, do you see? Do you see? At the same time, you know, you can go watch my film Shade the Motion Picture and I feature Jordan Maxwell very heavily in that film. But do we talk occult? Certainly not. Certainly not. You know what I mean? We certainly did during the interview. It didn't make the film. I, I put that out separately. I think that we can have our disagreements. I also think that the way the world works, in a sense, is that synchronicity and the law of attraction are very real. You know, they're just as real as some of the other things that are studied in physics. And you can draw things to yourself, to your own reality. So in one sense, you can kind of see things that aren't there one, right? Because you, you want to perceive them that way. But in another sense, when you have such a massive event like that, and obviously premeditation, no matter who you think did it or how it happened, right? You're going to draw certain aspects into that as well that are going to synchronize with your belief systems, right? I, I think that's just, again, we see it every day. And we don't admit it just from the brands we buy and wear to the coffee we drink in the morning, all these things we draw in our own realities. So it's a double-edged sword. And, you know, the, I guess the question ends up being, well, are the people that are directing this weaving in these occultic aspects on purpose as their calling card, as their gangster card, right? Their symbolic gangster card. Maybe, maybe not. Problem is you can try to make that case all day. And, it's going to be subjective unless you literally have some member of the Illuminati coming out like on a, on a confessional video, like with hidden cam footage of him with the lizard folk like going, this is how we will do it. And the symbol of Seth will be everywhere. Yes. <laughs> like unless that happens, you're just, it's just, you know, it's almost a waste of time, but at the same time, I'm a truth man. And if that's your truth and you, you want to put that together and put it out there, doesn't hurt me none. Shouldn't right. hurt anybody none, right? I'm always open to new perspectives. Well said. Yeah, and I, I feel like you have a very grounded approach and that could be the medicine that someone needs because real activism takes doing something, not just talking about things. And I know you're a guy who goes to the scene. You go and put your feet on the ground you stick it to the, some of these people we saw alex stein recently mutual friend of ours really i mean physically assaulted let's be honest by these antifa goons and all he's trying to do is film something that you know people should have the right to see you know what was going on in that bar is disgusting we both agree on that we don't need to spend a lot of time talking about that but i i think you know, some people unfortunately get caught up in the new AG too much that it almost sends them down a dead end. And this show navigates those waters a lot. So I like to, you know, be multifaceted. I don't ever want to be one way or the other. So here having you that having this discussion with you was personally important for me, if anything. But you mentioned something about technology and you made a comparison to the occult that I thought was really well said and well put. And I want to add to that with this well-known phrase that any technology sufficiently advanced is, you know, just undistinguishable from 
magic, right? So cargo cults and these groups of people who see an airplane, they've never seen technology before. They might think that's a flying dragon or something, right? There's an example. But when we get into what the military and NASA is actually doing with our taxpayer money, I mean, some of this stuff is like magic. I mean, it, it seems like magic. We're talking about, you know, AI. We're talking about, you know, technology that not only can track us, but can potentially manipulate our behavior in real time. But what have you learned? What are some of the more disturbing technologies that the technologies that the military is innovating? I mean, it's not just innovation. It's what's already available, right? You talked about artificial intelligence and it not only track tracing and databasing us, but really trying to possibly manipulate us into certain behavior. You, you could say that that's through ads or content that comes up or specials that all of a sudden you have certainly there, but the, I'd say the most frightening stuff is the stuff that goes beyond that. For instance, when the World Economic Forum was bragging about how great the pandemic was, and they did a video about what what do you like about the pandemic? What should we keep, right? And of course, masks were one of the things. And they're like, well, don't worry. You know, a lot of people are worried about masks because we won't have facial recognition technology to spot people. NASA the good people at NASA have developed technology which will use lasers to hone in on your heartbeat, okay? And your heartbeat is actually just as significant as, say, your fingerprints. That's pretty terrifying. You know, we talk about fingerprints. Well, that brings me to some other DARPA technology that gets utilized right here in this Newsweek article, Inside the Military Secret Undercover Army. This is the program of signature reduction that ends posse comitatus, aka the separation between the military and the police. This is the extension of Homeland Security. And this is them openly spying on you, manipulating you, and creating identities for people that work for them in both real time, in real organizations, and online. And when they do it in reality... They like to utilize that DARPA technology right there. You would think that's a hand. It's not. It's actually a skin-tight glove that anybody's biometric information can be put on via their hand. So any fingerprint that's in a database, really. And then they also figured out how it would emit human oils. So let's just say, hypothetically, they have your DNA or you submitted to 23andMe. And maybe those people sold their DNA information. It would be able to be replicated and emitted by devices like this one. Signature reduction, folks. No one's talking about it. I certainly am. Wow. And people, you know, they're like, okay, so spies can use that. No, folks, not just spies, not just like deep cover operatives. They are going to be framing people with this kind of thing, right? I mean, political political use is what that's going to be used for taking out people who are getting in the way of their agenda and not just on a political level because we see government please excuse the motorcycles this is a nice day out today <laughs> they're they're all over Double the street time. yeah but we see the military and big corporations fusing becoming one i mean i i heard you reviewing a clip it was with Mr. Charlie Skeller, I think. You guys were talking Skelton. about Skelton, yes. right? You Charlie guys were Skelton, talking yeah. about this. And, and by the way, congratulations to Charlie. Not only was that a very poignant piece and really the sole 
Western media piece on Bilderberg this year, but uh, Russell Brand just did a full video riffing off that piece for almost 20 minutes. So way to go, Charlie. I really enjoyed the piece and I'm glad you came on the show. Right on. Yeah. And, you know, for people who aren't aware, the Bilderberg group's been around for multiple decades. They've been planning these things and us in the truth community have been laughed at for years, suggesting that, oh, you know, rich people are conspiring to create some sort of new world order. (laughs) What? (laughs) My family thinks I'm crazy because they, you know, they don't see the danger there. Go figure. Huge danger. These people are meeting in private. In 2018, remember, they didn't meet for two years the first time since 2019 they met. Uh, They talked about the post-truth world. All right. The participants list include the heads of the CIA, Goldman Sachs, the head of NATO, the Security Council, multiple people in what? AI, the Atlantic and Applebaum. Twilight of Democracy author. I mean, just lovely people, really. (laughs) Lovely people. Peter Thiel, the head of Palantir, Alex Karp. You got people like Eric Schmidt here as well. Kings, prime ministers, ministers of finance. Yeah, the, the best people, really. And they're discussing great topics like, I don't know, continuity of government, which is a code word for shadow government and the economy, disruption of the global financial system, disinformation, energy security and sustainability, post-pandemic health, fragmentation of democratic societies, trade and deglobalization, among many other things. I mean, this is obviously a policy meeting. It is a violation. It's an actual violation of what is known as the Logan Act. That's what was crushing about what they did to Michael Flynn, in my opinion. You know, Michael Flynn didn't do any anything even remotely in association with the Logan Act, which is meeting with foreign officials to the detriment in secret of your nation. That happens every year at Bilderberg. Every year, for real, and nothing's done. Right, and it's a slow step-by-step process, and here we are. And again, I want to take it back into... The spiritual context, maybe that's just where I'm more comfortable. But, I, you know, we have this 2012 people have been saying, well, 2020 is the actual 2012. So it gets pushed back. Sure. But do you sense that this is in some way a desperate attempt for control? Do you think that this is in vain? Do you think that there's hope, Jason? Or do you think that there is certainly, you know, this is imminent, what they're suggesting at these Bilderberg groups? I don't think anything's mutually exclusive, right? I think there's always going to be hope. I think that they, when we talk about a cult, obviously these people, at least at these meetings, aren't in robes or doing rituals, but they sure are using hidden knowledge, aren't they? (laughs) I mean, that's the real reality. So I always say this, nothing is in vain. You have great power as a human being. A resistance is not futile, no matter how dark it gets. And no matter how much this agenda is pushed, I don't think they're doing it in vain. And I don't think what I'm doing is in vain. I think that those people are moving towards this dystopic, nightmarish, new world order, transhumanist agenda, unfortunately, in rapid fashion. And a lot of people don't even realize it's happening and uh, unfortunately will in many ways be called as this agenda furthers. And that doesn't necessarily mean killed. I mean, called as a spiritual, actual human being. 
All right. And that'll be over time. More and more, they will feel useless. They will want to be in a place like the metaverse. Again, that's why it's so important. For instance, the Facebook representative at Bilderberg was this gentleman, Jan LeCun, the head of AI and the metaverse. And the World Economic Forum has literally shown what their initiatives are here, defining and building the metaverse and pushing what? A metaverse governance and economic and societal value, the stakeholder capitalism that you're hearing about, the blockchain stuff, the UBI stuff. So th this is literally meant to strip us of our humanity and gradually accustom us to technology, make us feel more hive mind-like and less individualistic. That's why I've always loved G. Edward Griffin, man. He was the first guy that really introduced to me the rugged individualist and how that person was really the most important, whether you agreed with them on everything or not, but just that opportunity to be instead of this collectivist mindset. Because when I say culling, it doesn't necessarily mean these people are dying, but if these people get a brain chip or allow for even more invasive mRNA technology that does truly change your DNA, they're no longer human, okay? They, they've culled humanity. And at the end of the day, you look at these people and when people like Ted Turner are saying they want 2 billion people on the planet, well, there's 8 billion of us. Now we are talking about real calling. All right. How would you do that? Well, convince people they can upload their consciousness to the virtual world they've already been addicted to and merged with via biomimetics. I think this is coming a lot quicker than people realize. You know, these, the predator class at the top, when it can, would much rather use coercion than direct force. Because when they use direct force, people get desperate in real time and use direct force back, right? When they get you to submit and acquiesce to these things, less and less people meet that with direct force because some people are able to navigate it like you and myself. You understand what I'm saying there? Absolutely. And I don't know your 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 pedigree, but I'm gonna assume you're a martial artist because of no, no, you don't. Not even. You have lucky, an affliction shirt on, fights, bro. <laughs> I, I hang out with martial artists. I see. Well, yeah. I well, I was gonna ask though. I think you know maybe I shouldn't now that I know that, but I think there's a certain aspect of individualism that you see in martial artists, and I wonder if we had more let's say, of a community orientation towards martial arts rather than these team sports, we would have people, you know, because I was a wrestler in high school and wrestling, as much as it's a team sport, it's also extremely individual. It's on you. No one can help you when your match starts. It's you versus your opponent. And so many people crumble under pressure and go to authority, you know, and I, I, I guess my question was going to be like, do you think that, you know, your martial arts training put you into this in a way, but Hey, you still have, I was a team sports kid, man. Okay. So I actually baseball and basketball and soccer, and I actually love team sports. And I think they're underutilized now at the same time, I think that I would have a lot greater self-discipline if doing a martial art or even wrestling like you said even though it's a team sport you're the one that has to cut weight right that takes just an intense amount of individual discipline not to eat the cheeseburger and to sit there and munch on lettuce alone you know forget about all the other stuff 
the thing I like about team sports is that in school, you know, you, you're allowed to make your clicks, right? But even if you're in a small school, I got graduated like 54 kids, but you know, there were still those clicks of five to 10 friends you, you had, right? And then you hung out with them and that was kind of like your, your safe space and, and whatever. And you might not have liked that person, but you had a support system. Right. And you didn't have to interact so much with other people, except for maybe in class when you're put on a project or you had to have two people in science class. Very rare. But when you do sports, there's a good likelihood that you might hate the pitcher or the guy that's got the great jump shot is a real douche face, you know, but you still want to compete and you not only want to earn your spot, but you want to win. Right. And that's more likely going to happen to you in real life, especially if you're going to take any kind of a traditional job, there are going to be people at work that you absolutely hate, but you're going to have to get, get by with. And what I like about that is they kind of have to swallow your pride in a lot of cases. It's almost like pledging in a fraternity. There's people in that group that you're pledging with that you might hate. You spend six weeks with them or whatever, doing the most putrid shit together that nobody else is going to do. All of a sudden you you kind of understand that person a little bit better, or at least you respect them on a level that you wouldn't otherwise. It also gets you into a position of how you can interact with them in a positive way and push forward despite your differences. So that, and the other aspect of that is the competition aspect of it, that shared goal of wanting to win, wanting to win and wanting to get that. I think that that was softened so much with all these participation trophies etc. And even the inner competitions within your team, right? Who's going to be MVP of the team? Who's going to get the second effort award? You know, all these, who's senior of the year? Who's making the senior team? There are all these varying levels of competition and interaction that I think are so important in those levels of sports that never get discussed. I'm glad we're, we're taking it to this, you know, the community level. I think that's where we can make the most effective action immediately, you know, because the problem is global. It's a big problem, but it starts by chipping away and people active, you know, in their communities. And when we look at what they're incentivizing, these big companies, they want people in the metaverse, right? They want people alone, not individualized, but isolated. They want people paying for their identity, paying for their, you know, whole world that's fabricated and manufactured for them, simulated for them. And, you know, I really think that now more than ever, kids should be getting out, playing doing sports, martial arts, maybe I'm biased, but I definitely think that 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 is what's going to establish real sovereignty for us is giving people at a young age an experience of that, because if you have that, it sticks with you. And, you know, I didn't grow up in a big city, so I don't know what that's like. You know, I know you said you grew up with a relatively small high school size. So I imagine it wasn't a big city either. And I feel like that, you know, type of lifestyle is being pushed on people. You know, it's, it's an, it's a, a lifestyle that works if you have enough money to afford it. But the vast majority of people who live in the city are not healthy. You know, you see people who have, who have retired and lived their whole life in a city. They have far more health issues than someone who lives in a countryside. And maybe I'm generalizing. There are outliers for sure. But you see them pushing us into smart cities, away from nature, away from, you know, 
freedom, really, away from a, a chance to carve your own place out in this world, which is what we all have a right to do. I mean, it's in the Constitution. No, I absolutely agree. And the fact that the vast majority of people that live in a city are not self-sufficient, okay? And the more that you can get outside of that system and become sufficient, right? You're First of all, the power goes out in your house. You can maybe get a generator in your apartment. Good luck. You know what I'm saying? Like, like if you're in, in midtown Manhattan, then, you know, for me, when I moved from upstate New York during this whole thing, I was trying to find somewhere where in case, even if shit hit the fan there, where I am now in Iowa, there's an escape route. There's a bridge. You go right over to Illinois, other states. There's nowhere I can't drive to. Like, literally, I, I'm not. I'm not locked in by water. I'm not landlocked. You know, you if you're in New York City and a disaster strikes, good luck getting out, man. You know, you better have a boat. That's about the only, if you're getting off on the Hudson, because I guarantee you the George Washington Bridge and the tunnel are going to be stopped up like that. You want to see chaos. I, I think that also, you know, obviously there are benefits to that sort of lifestyle, like you said, and maybe some people like them, but in general, it also feeds into this consumerist ideal set. You are your job. You are the car you drive. You are your suit. You are the watch. I, I think that some people break out of that there where they start growing up a little bit and they realize they don't want that, but then they have to be financially successful enough where they can live in Long Island. Right. And that's kind of the break from New York city or on this little area that you know, in some places very much does mimic the suburbs of other areas in, in not only the state, but the country. At the same time, those people in my my eyes, are, I've, I've met a lot of them, incredibly unhappy, terrible people. <laughs> I, you know, I, they really are. I have dated enough Long Island girls that I can tell you a lot of them incredibly superficial, very much caught up in the culture. I, I think that the more not rural but again, self-sufficient you are. And the more that you've kind of taken part into your adult destiny, right? There are just so many people that grow up in a certain area. That's what they know. That's what they stay in. That's what they come back to. And then there are certain people that want to get out of it, but then they have this idealized view of the city, right? And they move to the subsequent city. Some people stay, some people don't. But I also want to say this, you know, New York City is is really an anomaly, right? It's not like every other city in the United States. You know that. I mean, you're on the East Coast, you're in Connecticut. You know, there's kind of that extension in that little area of where you have, I wouldn't call them, you know, super cities, but very, you know, urban type living, right? And, and surrounding areas. That kind of fades when you go across the country, okay? It fades a lot. So what I mean by that is like, take a state like Texas, for instance, obviously Austin has boomed up into like a real city. When I was there 10, 15 years ago, it felt like Albany, almost very small, whatever. When I went to Dallas, on the other hand, oh, I'm like big city lights. We got big, tall buildings. We got the highway stuff that's going on. But then you get to Houston, you know, and it's much more like, okay, there's not a lot of skyscrapers here. Everything's kind of like whatever. And then you, you have the in-between in San Antonio. That's just Texas varying. You know, here I am in the quad cities, and that's made up of two cities on the Iowa side and two cities on the Illinois side. 
I'm five minutes from Illinois, Moline, Rock Island on that side. I'm in Bettendorf and then Davenport. You know, Davenport's got about a quarter million people in it. Not a huge city, but not small. I'm in a little area with about 35,000 people, very like suburban for the most part. I have neighbors. It's a community, little cul-de-sac area. We got a hoop in the yard, things like that. You know, now is that the safest place to be? Maybe not, but I have options. <laughs> you know, I have, I still got the yard. If I had to garden, you know, I, I trust my neighbors pretty well. I know that it's not even congested in the city areas. I know that, you know, Chicago is still two and a half hours away. You know, that like that would be a problem. You know, Chicago's again, one of those cities, maybe you don't want to get caught up in. I'd much rather be caught up in a disaster in Chicago than New York. Why? You can leave. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think that they do try to glamorize and push that on people, but that's all also about kind of separating you from being a family in the nuclear sense. In other words, finding a partner that you're going to raise children together with. Right. And trying to stick it out. And that doesn't mean stay together for the kids. Right. I had somebody kind of talking to me behind the scenes about that. They saw a tweet. I said, I go, look, man, at the at the end of the day, what I'm talking about is a family unit that works where the mother and the father want to take care of their kid and want to raise their kid. Now, if it doesn't work out with them, I get that. But when a child doesn't have a positive female and male role model somewhere in their life, it's going to cause deficits. Right. It is going to cause issues. That doesn't mean that there aren't going to be issues, even if you have the most perfect of parents and lifestyle, but it's very apparent. And they never talk about this, that the vast majority of, you know, these, these kids that are involved, not only in the mass shootings, but really crime in general, what they're now just calling like mass shootings, which is really just gang violence, which what happened in Philly a couple of weeks ago, they don't have a, a proper male role model. They don't have a dad or an uncle that's keeping tabs on them, you know, that's trying to, you know, teach them how to be a man. Instead, in a lot of the cases, especially with the mass shooters, what they're, they're just heavily medicated. Right. And obviously, you know, you put these kids on those drugs, they're already resentful. I think that people don't realize how influential these role models really are on our lives, but they are, you know, you could, you could not even get along with your father and think that he was a negative influence. He still influenced your life, right? Like a lot. It's, it's something that's going to leave that mark. So all I'm saying is the more that you can have family and role models that are present, the less likely these outcomes are going to happen and the more balanced of a human being you're going to raise. Right. Right. And especially in the past two years, you see so many young parents coming to these conversations because we see the state coming in and trying to replace those role models. We see the state trying to incentivize this wildly irrational stuff that clearly is a part of an agenda transhumanist most likely and i think it's about time that you know our families get together and have these kind of discussions that we're having right now and that's why i like that it came back to this level jason because you do a lot of great work and people can listen to your various outlets you have a you know multiple platforms that people can find your videos you have your rss feed which all of that will be linked in the description 
and you're, you're dealing with some high-level stuff. You're covering it in a way that most journalists are either manipulated, too, too afraid, or just blind to, to cover. So, you know, kudos to you, man. And, and it's, you know, the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy show. So we got to talk about the family. We got to bring it back to the center, to the heart. But when it comes to the state and what they're doing to the nuclear family, which was a manipulation in the beginning. You know, it seems like they took us from these big, massive, I mean, my grandparents had eight siblings each, right? Now I have one sibling. My parents had two siblings. I mean, look at this on a, on a mathematical level. What do you think comes next folks? You know, like my grandparents, eight siblings, me, one, right? I mean, that's only two generations, and it's such a huge difference. I agree. And again, the predator class, the propagandists would have you believe that every problem is there are too many people doing too many things. So they actually encourage that you don't have more children. And I would say this, don't bite off more than you can chew. But don't be swayed that somehow you're impacting the earth negatively for being a human being and bringing other human beings into the world. That is the antithesis of reality. Okay. And, and to me, that is an inversion that is quote unquote occultic or satanic. You know, when I say uh, occultic, I only say because it's hidden. Most of these people that promote this agenda know damn well that there's more than enough space on earth. And they know damn well that carbon dioxide isn't the, the demon. It's the demon molecule that's going to kill us all. You know, those people that promote that at the highest levels are polluting this planet in ways that most of us can't imagine with real chemicals, okay? With real genetically modified organisms that are now being let loose into nature with, re with real weapon systems, that are being tested. Forget about the depleted uranium and the nuclear bombs. They got stuff that I'm sure is causing havoc in certain arenas of the, the earth. And they'll never talk about that and say, it's your bad. It's carbon dioxide. We need to regulate it. You have a carbon footprint. Eat the bugs. <laughs> yeah, man. And on the point of weapons, it, it is... Like I said, it seems like magic with some of these things. I mean, you're talking about plasma. You're talking about things that are invisible to the eye because they're so microscopic. We're talking about maybe even insect drones, right? Have you seen anything in that in the line? document I just showed you? Right. So 100 percent. And not only is it in the document, but Davos, you know, I'll bring this up. So just just so people understand why this document is so important, right? We're talking about co-opted insects right here. And you also were talking about things that are not visible to the human eye, hence smart dust and nanotags. All right. And not only are the insects going to be used for sur surveillance, but they could also be used to distribute bio warfare. Okay. And Davos in 2020, during their feature speech, when humans become cyborgs, one of the first things that they discuss is collective swarm intelligence via bugs and birds, okay? <laughs> so they also, DARPA's also developed swarm drones, all these things. Yes, 
they 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 talk about in this document also genomically editing the human species. Let's just genomic. Okay. Boom. There it is. Gens. Yes. Genomic design and repair. Mind children. Lovely stuff. Global warming also on the agenda there. You see why this all matters and how it all integrates? That's why I feature this stuff. That's why I don't really focus on Republicans or Democrats or even the January 6th show trial. I'll talk about that stuff. I think it's important. But really, at the end of the day, a guy like Dennis Bushnell, who's writing documents like that and going on tour and talking about brain chips and gets to see the technologies that we don't and gets to advise the National Security Department, that guy's been around since pre-Apollo. He's been around since the Gemini days. He's a face of the bureaucracy that is working behind the scenes, no matter who is in office. These are the people that need to be called out and addressed. And as I said earlier, unfortunately, few are doing that. But we have podcasting. And thanks to Adam Curry, our RSS feeds are uncensorable. So long as folks listening are smart enough not to use Spotify or Apple fine if you find our content there but please folks go to a decentralized app to listen to this show to listen to jason's show when it comes to the technology that we're using now i mean yes there's technology out there that is going to kill us <laughs> there's no other way around it that stuff could very well be used to kill control and destroy us but Equally, I believe, and I think you share this belief, that technology has the same potential that any tool does, right? It can bash you over the head. I've heard you say this. You can use a hammer to bash yourself over the head, or you could build a house with it, right? So this is sort of where I hope we can maybe lead the the final part of our podcast with, you know, what do you think this podcasting and not just podcasting, but video platforms, you know, where obviously you have, you know, the places you're invested in, but what do you see coming on the horizon? Are there any things that you think people in our position should look out for is it, as far as censorship is concerned? And, you know, what do you think about something like IPFS? Because we hear all this talk about Elon Musk creating satellites and, you know, a lot of libertarians are getting excited about IPFS. Ernie Hancock is one who comes to mind. He's creating these pirate boxes. People could plug it in, connect to the satellite, have internet decentralized, this whole thing. So it seems like the, you know, the cards are stacked equally. I don't know. What do you think? I don't think that they're necessarily equally. I think there's many more modes of control. For instance, Bushnell talks about total geo-global surveillance without overhead comms. In other words, through those smart dust type of sensors and just the sensors that are already online that they're able to access. As far as internet everywhere, I think that that also gives you the ability to track, trace, and database anywhere. Now, at the same time, right, when you talk about empowering people, well, I'm able to stream my broadcast in 1080p to four separate platforms, right? And I get to stream audio to a fifth. That's empowering, figuring that out. Obviously, boxes that can hook up to free internet that you don't have to pay, pay for that are decentralized, that can also be empowering. However, you know, we talk about a lot of these technologies. One of the te technologies that I didn't talk about, and I think 
is very important because we were talking about the metaverse. The metaverse is just the first step to five cents holodeck virtual reality, which has already been displayed and proven to exist over a decade ago and is really commercially available. And a lot of people think, well, you're going to have to wear a haptic suit, right? They They watched Ready Player One. Well, watch my recent video via the World Economic Forum and the actual technology that they're going to use and are using. What they are doing is they are putting you in a room. So yeah, you'll still have the headset on, but then the rest of your body is going to be able to be hit with magnetic resonance waves that will mimic force and touch. So in other words, when you touch something, you're going to think you feel it. There's no glove necessary. And it's going to be these haptic magnetic waves. This technology already exists. This will be the next level to bring you into that quote unquote virtual world where you upload your consciousness. I would encourage people to go watch Upload over at Amazon. It kind of is a comedic black mirror, but in many ways it is a window into the future of what the elite would like to achieve and make you believe again that your consciousness isn't your spirituality, isn't what brings us beyond a body of flesh and blood, but is something that they can articulate in a zeros and ones binary denomination and upload to a magic place where you'll live forever. Bullshit. Wow. I mean, the, what you just said has so many, you know, implications, but the idea that they can create an invisible force that you would ostensibly be able to it it would be like a wall if they used it as a wall i mean am i wrong like they could literally stop you from going through a boundary that's invisible to your eye i mean think about what that could do for like you know just the world that we live in the freedoms that we take for granted now now you're going to have the ability to create an endless wall, you know, with this technology. I mean, I don't know how, what the capacity is, how limited they'd be. You know, you'd have to have various, you know, things that were broadcasting this signal. But if it got fairly advanced enough, they could create whole bubbles around places that they only want certain people to be able to access. I mean, think about that. Wow. Yes, force field technology is real and manipulating that force field technology is real. In fact, when you go to this document, let's see if we can bring it up again. Let's see. So they talk about here, the holographic, immersive, ubiquitous comms, interspectral sensors, and a virtual presence because the virtual era is what comes after the bio nano era, which officially started in 2020, according to this document. But they are talking about multi-sensory VR holodecks. Okay. They used the terminology 20 plus years ago. And like I said, I would encourage people uh, to check it out. It actually is the world economic forum talking about green steel and then the multi-sensory technology via magnetic waves for VR. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is definitely sci-fi man we're living in some 1984 brave new world remix i mean it's total recall throw that in there as well but yeah there's a whole lot to get into and i'm not equipped to do it 
I could just ask these questions here to a guy like you all day, but I don't know how you do it, Jason. When it comes to your own personal life, what do you do to stay sane? Do you have any things that you do in your routine? Do you meditate? What do you What do you do other than this? Because you're doing this amazingly, but what What does a guy like you do to to just chill? I like to laugh. You know, I, I make sure to laugh. I, I try to take myself too seriously. I like to go on walks with my girlfriend. We like to go to the park together. That's nice. I've got my nieces. You know, I've, I've coached a couple of their sports teams. I like going to watch them and, and hopefully watch them enjoy themselves. I like to go out, have a beer. Last weekend, I went and saw Tom Papa over at the casino. He's a comedian. I like to live a normal life, right? I'm a big MMA enthusiast. I had the guys over last night for the UFC. I call fights on the side for caged aggression. I'm very blessed to be able to do that. That's almost like a dream come true to me. So I I just try to be a human being, right? Like, that's it. I, I'm not very zen. I, I, I try to be self-aware, right? And, and most of all, when I'm trying to interact with people or I'm doing this, I'm on air, I'm not on air. I, I live by a simple philosophy. Lies don't make friends. Okay. So the more directly honest that you can be not only with other people, but with yourself, the better life's going to be right. That, that doesn't mean that there isn't a time to be dishonest, or maybe you're not going to share information with this, or, or you maybe are going to be deceptive at some point. We're all human beings. We're not perfect. Right. And you, you, there's a thing called situational awareness. But the bottom line is, if you're truly trying to develop a human relationship with anybody or maintain that relationship or make it better, lies don't make friends. It's a phrase to live by, folks. Agreed, agreed, and well said. And I wonder now, you know, given what we've had to do in the past two years, I know you you know, uprooted and moved to a different state. But when it comes to dealing with people in public, like when do you, cause I know Sam Tripoli says this often, like don't give knowledge to those who don't, you know, aren't willing to, to seek it. They're not looking for it. Right. I'm not saying that you have to live by that too. That's his code. But you know, given that you are honest and you know, as much as you know, I mean, when do you hit the brakes? Like, are you telling cashiers about this? You, you carry cards so you can like, you know, just to save time, like here, check this out. So it's, it's, it depends, man. Right. Like uh, I'm going to be me for instance. Sometimes I'm just brutally honest when I don't even realize I'm, I am brutally honest. A few weeks ago, we're in a bar. Somebody comes over. I forget what, in particular, we were talking about, but one of the, one of the guys Sam, who I'm like kind of acquainted with says the, the, the line, nobody can keep a secret and just kind of like instinctually reflexively, I go, that's the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> and then I went on a tirade for like five minutes. I looked at him, I go, does every country have nuclear weapons? He's like, well, what do you mean? I go, what do you mean? What do I mean? Nobody can keep a secret. Everybody should have nuclear weapons by now. It's only the 1940s we developed them. I go, you've never lied in your life or kept something from somebody else. You're not keeping from somebody from someone else right now, ever. I'm like, we all lie. We all keep secrets. What are you talking about? Like you're in imagination land. <laughs> I go, I can name another, I, I, another, you know, dozen examples technology wise that, oh, nobody can keep a secret. Really? 
Of course people keep secrets. I'm like, they caught all the murderers? They got them. They got them all. All those murderers didn't keep secrets. So they all got caught. Like, what planet are you on? Right. So, like, I, I came down. real. I didn't even realize I was coming down that hard on this guy. I had a few in me. And, like, after he walked away, like, my buddy nudged me. He was like, really nice, Jason. Real asshole move. <laughs> I mean, he goes, he goes, you basically just called that guy the dumbest motherfucker you've ever talked to. And I go, well, I didn't mean it. I just like that. I just meant it's a dumb thing to say. It's the dumbest fucking thing in the world to believe that people can't keep secrets. Of course they can. I, I mean, the militaries in every single country, okay, every single country are dependent and reflective of how much secrecy is kept. Right. I've been yeah. there. I've been there. And, you know, it. it's it's I don't blame you because when we're this and maybe isolated is the wrong word. But when we're this few and far between on the level of knowledge, just a basic level of knowledge. I mean, some people can't even tell you where, you know, basic countries are on a map, let alone what those countries have in their weapons arsenal. So. Yeah, it is unfortunate how we've been dumbed down. Our critical thinking has been, you know, pulled out from under us with entertainment. And for the most part, people are so exhausted, it seems, by their, you know, trials and tribulations of life that they don't have time to get into this stuff. But if they would only just replace their weekly input of Netflix with maybe something a little more, you know, impactful like what we're doing here we might not be so frustrated in those situations as folks who are seeing what's going on you know it's it's like the they live movie you know like some of us just have the sunglasses and and can see what is going on it seems well, for the most part, man, when I know I'm going to be talking to somebody about an issue or I am trying to persuade them and it's not just like someone bringing somebody over in a bar and I'm making an off, off the cuff statement. I do try to find somewhere where we agree first and then work it out from there. And, you know, I, I certainly wasn't like, get the fuck out of here guy, or you're a dumb fuck or like whatever. I just instinctually went on that tirade. I probably could have handled it better. So I, I do try to be self-aware. I try to catch more flies with honey, if you will, than you would with vinegar. And I, I, not, I try not to be immediately divisive, right? Where, where can we agree? okay, let's flesh it out from there. Well said. And I think that's good advice. You know, with the name of this show, a lot of people that gravitate towards it are in a position where they feel like, Hey, I'm the only one who knows this stuff. And I tend to, you know, hear this from guests a lot that when they first woke up, I'm going to use that dirty phrase again. However, that happened to them. The first instinct they had was to run to the rooftops and tell everyone they know about this amazing revelation that they themselves had alone. And then quickly they realized like, oh, wow, there are far more people than I thought who share this perspective. And when that happened for me, I was really full that there were folks like you, Jason, who are carrying this torch and have been for a while now. So, dude, pleasure as it was the first time. Here we are again in the now on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. And uh, yeah, any final thoughts you want to leave 
our listeners with Jason before we go any advice for people on what they should look out for in the next coming months I just say this guys as I wrap up a lot of my shows this way it's not a left or right issue what we're talking about it's always about right and wrong this great reset agenda is literally repackaged new world order predator class globalist ideology that has been discussed and worked towards unfortunately for more than a century i document this stuff please watch my documentary films and chairman invisible empire and new world order defined and shade the motion picture highlight these topics and with these as tools hopefully you and others can become the great resistance to this very real great reset agenda boom Thank you so much, Jason. And for everyone listening, have a great moment wherever you are in the now. Jason Burmis, what a fantastic guest. Always brings top tier knowledge, research, and delivers it well. He's been doing this for almost two decades now, a little more probably. And yeah i mean geez loose change was such a formative documentary for me really made me question uh, all of the propaganda and programming that was going on back in 2002 three four five around those years and loose change came out and really rocked my young mind so it's surreal to be able to talk to jason Burmis. Uh, he's a really really great guy you know where to find him rockfin podbean odyssey uh all the places right jason gets banned and then he pops up in like five other places he's like a groundhog so anyways and that is the episode of the my family thinks i'm crazy podcast with jason burmis round two he was here before he's here again and i thought why not release this episode on the fourth of july so happy fourth of july everybody and remember america was founded um, disobedience so enjoy your uh fourth of july of course be safe and if you listen to this in the future maybe you listen to this on july 4th 2023 or 2024 or who knows when hope you're doing well out there as for all of you listening in the now in 2022 i need your help Michael Wan has invited me, he's recruited me, he's asked me to join him in the Susquehanna River Valley. Tara and I want to go down to Nome Countryside, set up our tent, and create some amazing content while we're down there. Not just podcasts, but Michael Wan and I are planning on recording some videos. He's got this new truck, this white pickup truck with his own Susquehanna Alchemy logo on it. And we're going to cruise around and see what happens. And maybe if you're out there somewhere in the world and you see a white pickup truck with a black Susquehanna Alchemy logo on it, maybe you'll wave. Maybe you'll honk. Maybe you'll gesture to get us to pull over and we'll hang out. Either way, I could use your support. So please go down to the episode description and support me. Help me fill up this tank. You know, gas ain't cheap and... I'd really like to get down there while Mike still resides at Gnome Countryside. Who knows? I mean, in a month, something could change and he could be, you know, 10 hours west of there or or go even further south or who knows. So while he's still in the area, 
within a couple hour drive of me, I'd like to drive down there. Keep in mind where we live is about three or four hours apart. So yeah, I could use your help. I'm, I'm paying bills. I'm doing all this on a, a podcaster salary, odd jobs in between. And uh, it would be great to fill up my gas tank with your help and go down there to uh, Uncle Mike. So if you could, I'd really appreciate it. That's about it. You know where to go for all the bonus content. Patreon is the number one place. We also have a Rockfin. And of course, you can get merch. We have a whole bunch of jewelry that I made myself available on the Kofi store. Shout out to St. Stephen. Thank you so much, St. Stephen, for purchasing one of my Mystic Crystal Pendants from the Kofi store. If you'd like to purchase something as well, uh, you can go check out the Kofi store. I have crystal pendants there. Tara has some paintings available. And of course, we have t-shirts, all kinds of merch. I want to give a real special shout out to John Wills for helping out big time, donating a bunch of money. He said he'd rather not support via Patreon, so he sent me $500. Wow, that's incredible. Uh, I, of course, used that to pay my rent. I also had to pay the internet bill, and I had to pay all kinds of other stuff. But you guys don't need to know or care, really, I'm sure what bills I'm paying and all that, but I'm making it happen one step at a time. I'm not ashamed of it. We're making this podcast great from the ground up, starting from the bottom. Now we're sort of almost there. (laughs) We got 650,000 downloads so far. So please folks help us out. Oh, and I got another really awesome um, donation. Got to give a shout out. They supported via Venmo. You can support via Venmo, PayPal, Cash App. Shout out to David. Thank you, David. Really appreciate that. Uh, it's almost, you know, we're, we're somewhat there, but we still got a long ways to go before I can afford to make it down to Pennsylvania. So please, folks, help us out. And, uh, and of course, thank you for being here. Enjoy the moment wherever you are in the now. little extra terrestrial trying to stay human in a cesspool of professionals but i confess too much off of the tongue all my aunties and my uncles shield the ears of the young i be saying shit and they don't know where it's coming from in like a hundred years we went saw a bomb before guns check the facts check the fed check the stars stanley mines was murked for a water fuel cell car they each they own you could stick with your old ways but eat the rich you drink the motherfucking cold-aid and i can see the red on your lip stain white skin blue collar pure american made fuck it Keep your blood soaked heritage And run the soul off the moon landed narrative Yeah, my girl thinks that I'm embarrassing My folks think I'm nuts but never question the parenting Stuck in bed so my boss thinks I'm lazy Connecting dots but it's all kinda hazy Good morning in the net feeling like I'm Dick Tracy My pap thinks I'm un-American and shady Yeah, I'm feeling unhinged lately Encounters of the fifth kind on the daily You could tell me that the president's an alien It wouldn't phase me My family thinks I'm crazy Think that I'm off in the deep 
sleeping. One too many Netflix docs on the weekends. But check the budget for our military defense. Tell me we ain't scared of something not within reason. Steel beams, another 1492. And 9-11 was the red, white, and blue. And you be lit off the floor, and ain't got a clue. All your dreams just shit on a Rockefeller shoes. Don't believe a damn thing a politician ever said. Ain't one brick left to go up in the Fed. They still got bricks of cocaine to make crap. Oxy's killing the working class, FDA's whack. Talking like this, got kids talking behind backs. Too much to unpack, so they talk smack. And I'm just trying to converse with my clan, but it ain't fan. So I'm here setting up camp. Stuck in bed, so my boss thinks I'm lazy. Connecting dots, but it's all kind of hazy. Come on, you in there, feeling like I'm Dick Tracy. My pack thinks I'm un American and shady. Yeah, I'm feeling unhinged lately. Encounters of the fifth kind on the daily. You could tell me that the president's an alien, it wouldn't phase me. My family thinks I'm crazy.